0: I'd like to pay as little tax as possible. The only thing worse than having a tax bill is not having a tax bill because you didn't make any money. That's true? So let's talk today about some of the common ways or unique, interesting ways that people invest or make decisions to help optimize their taxes. Welcome to The Financial Commute, a weekly podcast that gives you the rundown on what's going on in the current market, how it affects you, and what you can do about it all designed to fit into your commute. I'm your host, Chris Galeski, and each week I share the table with a knowledgeable guest, including Morton Wealth Advisors, fund managers, and investment analysts to break down complex financial topics. Our goal is to provide you with the tools to help you navigate any market environment, leading to a path of more confident investing. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of The Financial Commute. I'm your host, Chris Galeski, joined by Wealth Advisor, Patrice Benning. Patrice, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Chris. You can't talk about investing without talking about taxes. So true. It's such a big component. And over the years of being an advisor, you and I have talked from time to time. It's amazing the emotional reaction that people have towards tax.
1: It's quite visceral, I think. Yeah. And I think so many decisions are probably made based on that element alone. Yeah, there's without a doubt.
0: I mean, I'm even guilty of it. I mean, I'd like to pay as little tax as possible. The only thing worse than having a tax bill is not having a tax bill because you didn't make any money. So true. So let's talk today about some of the common ways or unique, interesting ways that people invest or make decisions to help optimize their taxes, right? So, when you first think of it, what comes to mind, um, you know, right off the top of your head with trying to make more tax efficient um, um, investment ideas?
1: I think obviously the uh, outliers are retirement accounts and what we can do with that when it comes to planning. So, your 401ks, 403bs, if you work for a uh, public institution, but make sure you maximize those because that's tax deferred growth. And we have to pay taxes when the money comes out, but you've got a long time to to maximize that growth.
0: So you know you're you're talking about you know traditional pre-tax contributions to an IRA or a 401k or 403b. You're putting the money in pre-tax. It grows tax-deferred all those years, but then you have a tax bill at the end when you take the money out. Yes. And the only way to get around those is to not put money in pre-tax, but to put money in via Roth. Um, Roth IRAs have an income limit. But Roth 401ks and Roth 403bs do not.
1: That is correct. So that's almost like I think so many people forget to even look inside their workplaces to see if there's an option for the Roth 401k, 403b, because you can definitely max out. So even let's say in 2023, you can do 22,500. If you're over 50, you can add another 6,500. So it's a lot of money you can put away. Just keep in mind that you won't get that initial pre-tax deduction that you would so your taxable income stays the same when you contribute to a Roth 401k or 3b.
0: That's a good point. I mean, when I'm weighing the balance between contributing money pre-tax and getting the tax deduction today versus a Roth contribution, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, a couple of things. What's my tax rate today and where do I think it might be in the future? If I think my tax rate is going to be the same or higher in the future, I might want to do Roth contributions today. And then, if I'm really young and maybe early in my career, so I'm not, I've not reached that level of success where I'm paying a bunch in taxes, I might be, and I have a lot of time on my hand to invest. I might be better off contributing to to Roth today.
1: That's that's a great point right there.
0: Yeah, let's talk about some other, um, you know, interesting ways to optimize or save on taxes. You've got municipal bonds, Treasury bills. Let's talk a little bit about those.
1: There's many ways I think, especially nowadays, with interest rates being where they are. So there's options for people to sock money away short term, let's say. But when you think of municipal bonds, those are state tax free, federally tax free. However, you have to make sure that it makes sense for you on an after tax basis and looking at where your tax bracket is, um, is a key component of that. Um, treasury bills, state tax free on, on that part.
0: So federal taxes. So no
1: federal taxes, but we live in California, so for for those of us folks that are in a high state tax, um, it would make sense to actually put some money away return and sheet and T bills.
0: Look in California, municipal bonds, you know, have been have been popular for for a long time. Um, people don't like paying taxes, and we're in a very high tax state. Um, people often don't talk about how low our property taxes are um, compared to other states, but but that, that's a whole another point. The nice part about a municipal bond is you're loaning money to your state or municipality. In return, the income that you receive is federally and state tax rate. All right. Saving for college. That can be a way to optimize a little bit on taxes. 529 plans.
1: 529 plans. And actually, for California, this does not apply. But what I've learned just because I, am, I have one and I'm looking at college pretty soon. Um, some states actually offer um, a tax-deductible contribution to 529s. California does not. But the idea behind a 529 college savings plan is that you're able to put money, have that money grow, tax deferred, and if you use it for its intended purpose, which is qualified tuition expense, education expenses, that money's tax-free as well. So a great vehicle to use when it comes to college savings.
0: 529s are fantastic. Um,
1: one of my favorite accounts
0: is the health savings
1: account. Put money.
0: I yeah, I know. I mean, there's there's very few places that you get to put money in, get a tax deduction, grow that money tax deferred and then take it out for qualified expenses, medical expenses tax free. If I'm over the age of 65, I can take it out for any purpose and just have to pay ordinary income tax on it. So it's, you know, just like an IRA or or pre-tax 401k. Um, but for qualified medical, it's it's tax free. Right. So, Patrice, let's say I own an index fund. I bought it for a dollar. It's now worth ten. If I had to sell it, I owe this capital gain. If I wanted to avoid that ca- capital gain, what what are some options that I have?
1: Let's say, Chris, that you are actually charitably inclined, and what you can do is open what's called a donor advised fund. And a lot of, a lot of people have this option, but I'm not sure if they're aware of it. Where you can actually put an appreciated asset like Something like you just mentioned, you uh, an index fund, a uh, stock, even uh, the other asset into the donor advice fund. and then those assets grow inside that fund tax- free, and you can use those money to donate to the charity of your choice,
0: yeah, I love that. I mean, oftentimes when we're getting ready to be charitably inclined, we're you know writing a check or putting our credit cards, right. and we're just doing it in the moment. But if we take a step back and we think about, okay, hey, I I know I've got a charitable intention and I want to give some money to this organization. Um we can be a little bit more thoughtful by donating appreciated assets or stock or even leveraging our retirement accounts. Ta- talk to us a little bit about that.
1: So we talked in the beginning about contributing to a 401k pre-tax. So there's a, a time in our lives, let's say if you if you turn 73 in 20 in 2023, You'll be required to take money out. The federal government says enough is enough. The IRS says we want we want a portion of that money. So once you reach um, that particular age, the required minimum distribution, if it's a percentage based on your life expectancy, you can take that money, and it's typically taxed at your regular income tax rates. But if you are charitably inclined, you can take that same amount and donate it, and it's called a qualified charitable distribution. And at that point, not only do you are able to uh, fulfill and and you know deliver on new values, but also be able not to have to pay taxes on that money that you just have to take out from the IRA.
0: Yeah, that's a great strategy. I mean, being able to not not have to report that income on your tax bill by donating it directly to a charity. The the one keynote on that is that you still have to let your tax advisor, your CPA, know that that a portion of that went to went to cover a charitable donation. Um, one of my favorite um, tax strategies is around real estate. I think that's why real estate investing is so popular. You not only can receive income from your investment, but you can get long-term appreciation, hopefully. Um, but cash out refinances on real estate. It's one of the best ways to get money tax-free. I buy a building for a million dollars. I you know, put some money into it, fix it up, lower my expenses, but increase the the revenues from it. Now that building's worth two million, I can go to the bank. I can do a cash out refinance and take some money out of the appreciation, and all that money is tax free. Money that I just took out on the refinance, I can put in my pocket, not have to pay any taxes on it at all, and go and buy some more real estate or other assets. Um, the only thing I have to be worried about is when I sell that building. There's something called recapture that can, you know. Basically, take a look at what my cost basis is, the amount that I've taken out, and then pay the appropriate taxes on that.
1: Well, you've got options even at that point, though, Chris. Okay, like what? You sell your real estate. There's a process called 1031 exchange that I think a lot of real estate investors take advantage of where you're able to, within a certain period of time, if you sell a highly appreciated real estate property, as long as you buy another one um, similar in value, then there's no no taxes to be paid on that transaction
0: you got to love the rules around real estate, right? I could buy a building for a million, grow it to five million, sell it, and buy another you know, comparable building and still not have to pay taxes on that exchange. That's one of the reasons why some real estate investors say that um, ten, you actually overpay at times to avoid having to pay taxes and that some people would be better off paying the tax on the sale as opposed to you know, finding a way to purchase another property and avoid taxes altogether. Um, he was, th- this real estate person was talking to a friend of his and he said, I put an offer on a building. I offered $8 million. The seller says, oh no, my, my building's worth 10. And he said, a couple years ago, your building was worth 10, but now that interest is higher and expenses are higher, your building's worth eight. So I'll, I'll, I'll offer you eight. And the seller said, you know what? I'm just going to wait for a cash or 1031 exchange buyer because he knew that they, they were going to overpay, um, Tax-loss harvesting is another interesting way to be able to help lower your tax bill. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that.
1: I think there's a great strategy in tax-loss harvesting, and it's really one of those things that if you're really paying attention at, at how the market, you're able to capture losses in a down market that can offset gains that you have in the portfolio. So I think it's a very good tool in your toolbox, and working with, with your advisor on that is is very important, I
0: yeah, tax loss harvesting can be you know a great tool to help offset um, you know tax bills. Paying attention throughout the year if something's at a loss. Um, asset location. This one is really important. A lot of people kind of ignore this, especially the do-it-yourselfers. It's owning the right asset in the right account mm-hmm. to help avoid taxes.
1: I know. I think that's something that is not very much talked about, but you should think about stocks and bonds, right? So bonds are something that we think about as income, right? Stocks are typically gross. But if you're gonna have an income producing type of um product, it should be in a tax deferred account, like a retirement account, because that income is sheltered. It can grow, continue to grow tax deferred until you actually have to take the money out. Versus stocks are probably better would typically, I would say more of a taxable account because you've got um capital gains if you held more than a year as far as the, the actual position. So There's there's ways to be smart about how you put things that if you have assets that produce income, even real estate, you put those typically into a um, a tax sheltered account.
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, There's one topic that we didn't really bring on, but it doesn't pertain to, to, to the masses. It's somewhat like a billionaire strategy. People talk about, you know, Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and their ability to borrow against a very highly concentrated position. And not have to pay any taxes. So that strategy is you take Bill Gates, he's got a billion dollars worth of Microsoft stock. He can set up margin against his against his, his Microsoft stock and he can just write checks and build up a margin balance that he has to pay interest on. But assuming the stock doesn't drop by a certain amount and he doesn't, you know, overspend, he's taking money out tax free.
1: That's right. It's leveraging what you have without having to pay the capital gains. That's that's the sweet spot to be.
0: Wouldn't that be nice? Um, Patrice, look, I know that there's a lot of different topics that that we brought up today, and we're not CPAs or tax advisors, but we would love to engage with clients around any one of these topics. So if something was interesting to you and you'd like to have a conversation about it, please reach out to your Morton Wealth advisor, and we would love to discuss with you and your CPA. Thank you for joining us, and we hope this episode has provided you with a roadmap to feel more confident as an investor. To receive notifications about weekly episodes email us at financialcommute at mortonwealth.com.